Welcome back to Parts Unknown. I am the immortal Matt Davis, and let me tell you something, brother. We've got the mega powers in the pod today. Anton the Barber to Louis. Hello there. The Nature Boy, Carl Anker. Rockers. And Miss Carrie Dunn, or rather Dr. Carrie Dunn, the first lady of wrestling. Hello. So it's a grey and murky Florida evening in March 2008, and we're at the Citrus Bowl in Orlando for the 24th annual WrestleMania, which was the first one held outdoors since 1993. 70,000 there to watch a nine-match card, some real highs and lows here. Um, I'd actually heard of the person singing the national anthem, who was John Legend, so that's a first for me, or singing America the Beautiful, I should say. Let's start with the good stuff here, and I think there's only really one place that we can start, the, the match that that defines this show in, in many ways. Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair. Flair's career at stake, if he'd lost, which he did, he would have had to retire. Beautiful, beautiful storytelling this throughout. Up in the build, um, Shawn calling Ric Flair Old Yeller, which is one of the go-to references for WWE, but Flair then screaming Old Yeller and slapping him in the face and going crazy. Um, the little things like the nice touch of Charles Robinson refereed this match, apparently on Flair's request. He was little nature in WCW, but you'll notice that Charles Robinson is wearing a SmackDown referee shirt. These were two raw guys. It was a very last-minute decision, apparently, um, to do that. We've got a pre Charlotte Ashley Flair in tears at the end. Um, she would then wear the robe that Rick wore to the, uh, the ring in this match. Oh, just the emotions just pouring out of me now just thinking about it. This, this is like peak wrestling, isn't it? It is. It's beautiful. And I think Sean is at his best when he's doing the stuff that he can draw in emotions for. I, I actually like watching Sean when he's doing this kind of stuff rather than, I don't know, the slightly pre-epic... Uh, <laughs> egocentric task that he does quite a lot um, yeah this is lovely all of it is lovely all of it is exquisite and yeah the flares cry really well in a really ugly way the entire family <laughs> are really good at weeping and yeah the end of it is it's just heartbreaking it's just lovely I loved it I remembered this as an occasion and I thought of you Carl because I was I, in my, when I thought back to it I thought I was sports entertained by this match. Now, actually, that did it a disservice because given the um, status of Flair at this point, he'd had a match with Mr. Kennedy at No Way Out because he'd been doing this storyline by where his next match would be his last match and they'd stunk the joint up at the previous pay-per-view. And I'd sort of thought that this was just an occasion rather than a wrestling match, but it was a really good match, bell to bell. Ric Flair is 59 years of age at this match and he can go. The amazing thing about Ric Flair was he was always a great athlete from from day one this is a guy who did a hundred hindu ski squats every single morning before north america knows what yoga is this is, he, he does his back realizes he can't do a brawling style and creates this cowardly heel thing and has an amazing amazing cardio amazing amount of ring awareness an amazing way to use his limbs and focus on limbs in a way to tell a story there's a great moment from a modern-day wrestling match, uh, Battleground, Sami Zayn versus uh, Kevin Owens, where Sami Zayn tries to hit a wrestling move on Kevin Owens and doesn't quite land, and he hits his elbow on the side of the ring. And Owens spends, like, it's botch. Owens looks at Zayn and then decides to work this dodgy arm for the rest of the match. Like, one part, I can't believe this guy's made a mistake. I'm going to capitalise upon it. Those tiny things that can turn a good-to-great wrestler into a you're-going-to-one-day-be-a-multi-time-world-champion. And Flair's amazing at that. Um, we've been talking about, as we go backwards, move styles change. 
So now no one's doing any sling blades, but everyone's got, I'm going to run and then land my knee on your head. And Flair's one's the best because Flair's been doing it thousands of thousands of times. It's amazing to think of the fact that Ric Flair, in 1991, Dave Meltzer said Ric Flair was doing a disservice to his legacy by continuing to wrestle. And in 2008, he does that. I think Ric Flair is the greatest North American wrestler of all time. I think it's not too hyperbolic to say that Ric Flair's impact on not only sports entertainment, but modern sports in general, will you see how athletes in the UFC, in boxing or whatever, strut and preen and talk about money like that. The fact that there's a song in the charts right now called Ric Flair Drip with Migos and Ric Flair is singing. Ric Flair was on death's door before his 69th birthday, somehow survives massive amounts of surgery and then appears on a video on Twitter wearing a t-shirt going, I'm not dead yet. You can buy this t-shirt in stores. <laughs> he is wrestling incarnate. And it, it, yeah, he's the best ever to do it. Uh, and, and long may he reign and pay off those many, many insurance payments he has to pay back. <laughs> um, Anton, he, we can certainly debate whether he was the best or whether he isn't. What, what I don't think is in doubt is that this could have been the best retirement um, in wrestling history. I'm sure... I'm assuming here that we've all watched the Nature Boy 30 for 30, um, but maybe some of our audience haven't. You should definitely check that out. It goes on to talk about how he went back to TNA and wrestled or whatever. You can't watch this match without feeling sad about what happened to him afterwards and that he just couldn't let go and, and, and have had the greatest retirement in certainly WWE, maybe wrestling history. But then I can't help but disagree slightly with the beginning of... Carl's comments then in terms of it is sad to see a 59 year old man do this yeah yeah, he might be brilliant but he's not what he was the chops are still slower there's still less power there's still his timing might be great but in terms of he's still an exceptional but 59 year old man in the ring like that's the sad fact the sad fact is he could never walk away and obviously he's got the financial side but also this is a guy that's just addicted to being in the limelight there's a guy that all he wanted to do was just look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And it was built into his personal life. This match should have happened 10 years before. When so, you, Meltzer says he's peaked. It's Meltzer says he should retire and should stop wrestling in WCW in 1991. Like you want to talk about peak... People talk about peak Ric Flair. Peak Ric Flair is 1989 Russell War against Ricky Steamboat. Peak Ric Flair is 1989 Great American Bash with Terry Funk. Peak Ric Flair does not exist in WWE. Like He's a territorial relic. Like you're all, in that weird thing that Roger Federer has, in that Roger Federer's decline has seen him win more titles and last far longer than any of his peers, that's Ric Flair. You have to grade Ric Flair in a weird curve because Ric Flair is a physical freak and a storytelling phenomenon. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with any of that. All, all I'm saying is that I can't help but watch his matches and think about the, 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 his personal flaws and the tragedy that happened afterwards. So even though I watched this, you know, watched this match live, I remember watching it live thinking, this match is better than I thought it was going to be, I still couldn't get out of my mind, what is he doing in the ring? What, you know, how much money does he owe? What, how, how addicted to fame is he that he can't get out of this limelight? So I, I, I can never reconcile the two of him being this phenomenal wrestler and such a flawed individual. And what I think is particularly sad is that obviously Shawn Michaels was a big Ric Flair fan and, you know, he would have loved for that to have been the way that, that his hero went out with a, with a little bit of dignity. Carrie, I know you're not the biggest Shawn fan amongst us, but um, I thought this was such a selfless performance of him in terms of the way that he moved around the ring. There were a couple of botches in the match, actually, but they, they managed to cover them. But I'm sorry, I love you. Yeah. If that's not everyone's WrestleMania moment, we can stop this podcast now and, and walk <laughs> <gonna> out. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I love you. Yeah. And then 
He just kissed him on his head and he just immediately got out the ring and walked away. And it takes a lot to do that because we've seen wrestlers in the past not do that. And he knew that this was not his time. Yeah, I have to say, I I don't I didn't remember the uh, the aftermath particularly well. And going back and watching it, the way that Sean just does that kiss and then just leaves and then that's it. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised shall we say with with my Shawn Michaels baggage that I'm bringing to to, to re-watching these matches yeah I thought yeah selfless and s- surprising <laughs> we're learning more about each other with every episode that's that's the great thing let's go from there to what was another terrific match it was the final match of the night and I'm sure it was on these two's mind what had come before and that they would have to to live up to it Undertaker versus Edge for the heavyweight title to close the show um Probably not even the best match that these two ever had, but it was still excellent. Uh, Edge had a slightly odd pre-match promo about him taking uh, little boy's innocence, um, which I guess could be interpreted in in quite an unpleasant way. Um, Taker's first ever win over Edge. One thing I want to throw out here, I wonder if anybody's got any that they can come up with immediately, which is a bit mean, but phrases in wrestling that make you feel warm inside. Um, For some reason, referee Jimmy Corderas is one of mine. (laughs) Just makes me think of being a child. Um, And he was the referee for this match. Anybody got any off the top of their head? Mean Gene Oakland. Gene Oakland, just like, oh, it's him, yay! (laughs) Just with slobber knocker. Just like, yeah, great, love it, absolutely love it. (laughs) Carrie? Now I'm going to have to think about that, and I'm right. going to think of one by the end of the end of the episode. Okay, so while you're thinking, tell us what you thought of Undertaker versus Edge. We're getting more and more into our Edge chats as these episodes mm. go on, and I think what we're we're realising is is just just what a talent he was. This was this was as we've been saying last few episodes. Taker somewhere near his best, but he had the right dance partner here as well. Yeah, um, and also for me, we're getting kind of far enough away from awful Edge retirement that I can watch this and enjoy it more, if that makes sense. I'm not kind of sitting there worrying that he's going to hit his neck or kind of hurt himself. Or I can't think, I'm not thinking, oh, that's part of the problem. And I'm, and I'm going to lose Edge in three years. <laughs> um, yeah, I, be- beautiful match. Loved it. Really, really um, athletic and sort of high-flying Undertaker, wasn't he? Mm. Something I really love about this match, this is a rare Undertaker match where he's the challenger. So Taker comes out first. So you get... One of my favourite things at WrestleMania is, is when Taker's coming to the ring, the challenger's just Undertaker, the camera shot in their face. Sean... No, sold it beautifully, no yeah. Triple H is fury. Some wrestlers are a little bit afraid. Roman Reigns is sort of like, come on. You get the reverse here, because Edge comes out, and you see Taker's face in the ring, and Taker's going, I'm going to get my hands on you and finish you. Whereas Edge is kind of has a, I'm scared of you, but also you've never beaten me before. Um, and they play that really well. Edge... There's this whole storyline about how Edge keeps having a counter to Undertaker's moves. And eventually the story is Edge tires because he keeps, again, much like Sean in 25 and 26, he keeps doing more outlandish things to try and put Taker down, knackers himself, and then Taker can outlast him, which is a great story. And this feud is amazing. Edge is, he's up there as Undertaker's greatest foil. This this is where I first formulated my Hell in a Cell matches are like Macbeth versus Macduff because... Edge can really do Macbeth with the belt. Um, Anton, before we get your take on the match, quick question. Which did you prefer, heel or face edge? That's really difficult because heel edge was kind of not exactly sexually pleasant, was he? No, but he was kind of more... near. He was nearer the top of the card than, um, you know, yeah, funny, no, comical. I, I, it would have to be... Yeah, it would have, it would have to be heel. 
but it's just that I feel a bit bad, a bit wrong for that. And I hate saying, oh, well, it was of the time, because it wasn't... Someone's like, we're going to have sex in the ring, and all that. <laughs> that's... Um, so... I still think Edge is one of the coolest guys ever to be in the ring. I mean, the evolution from five-second pose to what we get here is... I mean, he is one of the great evolving characters throughout the the time. His run in the company, it was very rare that he he wore something out to the point that the audience got bored of it. Yeah, exactly. And there was always a fresh angle. There was always a a different... You you get a different foe, but it's not just... you know like, Like, the problem with Roman is... He's he's not really angry, so people don't really understand why he's feuding with somebody. Just he's just doing it for the sake of it. Whereas there's always something personal. Edge would find something personal, or he'd do something in a match where his just face snarls, or his or his eyes bulge, or he or he starts maniacally laughing, and you just think he's just he just got the industry. He got the narrative. He understands all the minutiae that made him a, made him a brilliant wrestler. And in terms of the match. Oh, oh, sorry, Carrie. I thought of my phrase then. <laughs> okay. For the benefit of those with flash photography. <laughs> yes. Ooh, that's <laughs> fantastic. I think Carrie won that game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in terms of the match, I completely agree with you. The pace was fantastic, and to see Undertaker do what he did make, makes you, makes me sad about what happened sort of, you know, six, seven, eight years later. But um, it was he was just wonderful. I, you forget how much of an athlete... He was. The height he gets on the choke slams, the height he gets when he goes out of the ring. You just think, wow, there is a reason why, ask most people uh, of that era, who's the best you've been with, and it's him. There's a little bit where Taker has Edge in the corner, and he's just best pure striker in the game. Just unloading shots. Referees give him the five count, and he gets in near five. Taker just turns to him, and ref's like, nope, you can keep punching Edge. (laughs) Just go right ahead. There it is. That's, That's why you're one of the greatest to ever do it. Before we move on to the next match, something that's just popped into my head that I'd like to canvas opinion on. We got the title match last of all here, rather than uh, Ric Flair's retirement, one of the most famous people in the history of wrestling. How do we all feel about the whether the title match should always be the final thing on the card, as, as Triple H was very, very keen on for a long, long time? Or should it be something like, in a, in a situation like this, should Ric Flair have been the last image on this WrestleMania? No, title match. Okay, Carl? No, biggest story. The best story should be the one that ends the show. So the casting vote goes to Anton. I agree with Carl, but I actually think putting Flair on was would always been last would have been a risk because you weren't guaranteed to be getting a great match. The best match should be your final match, but also if you have WrestleMania, you should be writing so your best match is your title match anyway. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. That's the real quiz. Um, In terms of the other title match, Cena beat Randy and Triple H. Um, Cena had come back unexpectedly early at the Royal Rumble. Um, I mean... Guys, I really hate John Cena now. (laughs) I feel like we've achieved something. (laughs) But if you... Each of these three had a match at WrestleMania 34. Triple H has sort of evolved his character a bit. John Cena was the doctor of thugonomics. I'm not sure he actually got the PhD for it or if it was just uh, just something that he added to his name. We all know what he thinks PhD stands for as well, so... (laughs) This match, Carl, you're looking perplexed. I'll let you have uh, first swing. It's got my favourite triple threat spot. So my favourite thing in a triple threat match is when one character has another in a submission hold and the character in the submission hold is about to tap and then the other person jumps in like, nope, no you don't. Mm -mm, mm -mm." (laughs) The best instance of this happening is in WrestleMania 20 in the main event where Triple H waits until just the last second grabs the other person's arm because Triple H is the champion. It happens here, and you can see it coming. And that that's why I had my notes. Like, oh, yeah, 
This is this is my favorite triple threat spot, and you can't do it properly because none of you are good enough with each other. None of you have the chemistry with each other. Um, Carl's coming round to our way of thinking, Carrie re John Cena. Um, he got pinned here by Orton, and he doesn't. As we go back, we'll get to more and more that he does win, but. He, for this period of his career, there's not many WrestleMania matches that he actually comes out on top in. But I guess the the caveat to that is that he always gets the big entrance here. We had the um, <laughs> the brass band. The, why did they start with "God Save the Queen" before they went into his? The, what, what's the what's the symmetry between the British national anthem and the Doctor of Thugonomics? Maybe. You're a doctor. You, you provide yeah, us with the answer. I don't know. Um, in previous WrestleManias, his um, Americanness is emphasised. Perhaps they wanted to make him more global. I don't know. <laughs> the brass band is very traditionally British, maybe. I don't, I don't well, know. It's hilarious. Maybe the brass band didn't know many tracks. Were we surprised that Randy ended up winning this match? Or well, did you just watch it, Anton, you, and think you, this guy? Well, I mean, there was a poll before the match, wasn't there? And of course, an the, AT&T poll, yes. And, and 8% of the WWE universe thought Randy... Only 8 thought uh, Randy was going to win, <laughs> so... That kind of, you know, tells us... I, I, mean, I agree with Carl, it's a bad match in terms of... And the best moment was at the very end when Orton kind of comes out of nowhere, delivers the punt and gets the, gets the victory. And then it's ruined straight afterwards when Lawler says, oh, I, I, I don't think you got all of it. And he's thinking, that was the move that won the match <laughs> and you've just done it down with one line of commentary. And JR has to go, no, 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 look, look at the replay. He, he, I mean, he did. He, punted, he kicked him in the, ooh, oh, painful. He's thinking, you, so great. The one moment that, that could have salvaged it, you ruined that as one comms. So, yeah. so we can add Bozo to sexist to the uh, Jerry Lawler nicknames that we can use to replace the king Love on this it, podcast. Yeah. Right, okay. Can I ask a question? Anyone on the current roster you'd give the punt to? I mean, it seems a bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone on their moveset, just to give them the extra. I don't. Oh, I'm like sorry, it. I don't physically <laughs> no. give. A, like, who would I? Who would I kick in the I, face? I wouldn't, right? And and I don't like the move because I think it exposes wrestling being a work a lot. Because you just think, well, why don't you just kick him in the head at the start and finish the match then? <laughs> There's no match then, is there? Like, I think it's a, a daft move. That would be my my take. I think it. I think it works, but it only works when it's backstage or mm. when it's that kind of thing. I don't think it works in a match. That, I, so I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, 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 well, who would you give it to? We found a way to take a question and turn it into more Randy Orton slot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd give it to Roman Reigns. I think Roman Reigns with a punt would be interesting. Much like the drive, he's, he has the drive by. Give him the punt as well. So you're going to give him the name of a move. It sounds a lot like something else that everyone calls him when he when he enters an arena. I didn't say I like it. It's a massive punt. <laughs> um, Carrie, punt. Anyone like it? Don't. No, don't like it. And yeah, for the same reasons as you. It's yeah. It, it's a kayfabe it, buster. It, it, it breaks kayfabe for me, and kayfabe is very important to me. All right, kayfabe is important to all of us. We're going to take a break now, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, we'll be talking about Kim Kardashian. Don't worry, it's still a wrestling podcast. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So... 
What are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I should have said, by the way, that um, Randall Keith is playing a character called Martin in a movie which is currently in production called Changeland, directed by Seth Green. So how to make somebody called uh, Randall sound even dafter, I call them Martin. Um, that'll be good. I'm sure he's got lots of untapped dimensions and stuff that he can show us um, on big screen that he hasn't in a uh, wrestling <laughs> ring. Um, let's move on to Money in the Bank quickly. Let's move on to Money in the Bank. Kim Kardashian, of course, did the entrances because, I mean, I mean, she would do. Um, was she a thing at this point? Yes. Right, okay. In in terms of the the show, I'm not that au fait with that. That, that was around, that had already started. She's beginning her ascent okay um it was wwe that made her basically maybe (laughs) (laughs) taught where to cut a good promo and the difference between real life and kayfabe and how to work a crowd so she did the introductions for the match we got about a gazillion commentators calling it we had punk carlito jericho morrison mr kennedy mvp and money in the bank <laughs> money in the bank bingo check shelton benjamin um some ridiculous spots right in the start of this match morrison with the moonsault with the ladder shelton top rope leaping all over the place um cm punk winning for what would be the first of two times what did you make of that Anton? Sad because we all know that it didn't really come to anything. Um, this was not a good ladder match. It's, yeah. it's in terms of there were just too many. It wasn't it wasn't great. It, it just wasn't. I. The problem is if you do these things every year, you have to do something different. Not one of them stands out apart from remember the you know the one from twenty five because it's a bit you know twenty six is a bit botched in places and that kind of thing. So. This was like, it was it wasn't it was alright. It was just a ladder match. It's not it's not the best money in the back ladder match at WrestleMania. Like from the spell where they had them. It's not it's just a ladder match. It just fades into 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 obscurity. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean you're saying about money in the bank bingo and I find it quite hard because I watched these three quite close together, this last batch of WrestleManias. I find it quite hard to think which one was that mm, one too, it's yeah. the same kind it's the same people doing the same things essentially isn't it only one of these wrestlers still with the company in Shelton Benjamin and obviously having taken um, a lot of time out in between you can kind of see why after a while they gave this its own pay-per-view because it's a good gimmick but also why it sort of run its course at Wrestlemania too it, it was too big for Wrestlemania I think Money in the Bank is amazing I think it's because Survivor Series is no longer a big deal I think Money in the Bank is the fourth pay-per-view because it is your break glass here to correct course correction. And it's also much like Royal Rumble, where it's the WWE showing the fans who they think is important and who wins the Royal Rumble. It's WWE showing fans who they think is the next big thing in giving them the briefcase. So in 2013, the moment Randy Orton takes the briefcase down, you're like, ah, he's going to team up with Triple H somehow. So when Daniel Bryant wins, you're going... Wait, Triple H is the ref because there it is. Um, 
And you get other things where, like, when Seamus wins one, oh, okay, he's going to be, like, just in case to pull the trigger. So I don't know when this will go out. Money in the Bank might have happened by then, but I really want The Miz to win Money in the Bank and Daniel Bryan to win the Royal Rumble because, yeah, that's your big long-term storytelling thing. Yeah, and as we've spoken about before, it, it's a gimmick which works much better with a heel holding it than it does with a face because it's a very, very heely thing to do. Um, we're going to have to talk about the... Playboy Bunny Lumberjill match now with Snoop as, uh, as MC. It's worth pointing out that the lighting went out for a great deal of this match in the arena, so those who were there were lucky enough to, to miss quite a lot of it. Snoop in his tricked-out golf buggy leading the Lumberjills down to the uh, to the ring. This came just after the Ric Flair match, by the way. Um, Gary, is this the, the, the worst of the... Uh, the the crappy women's stuff we've had to talk about in the last couple of weeks? So far, I would say this is the nadir. Um, oh, God. Um, so, yeah, where 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 even do I start with this? I mean, the fact that it's considered a heel move to not be impressed by a Playboy modelling gig, that's a pretty good place to start, I think. Um, the fact that Santino is with um, our supposed heels, um, he's a joke, so are they, um, but he's still in the middle, but he's flanked by them in this kind of, even you know, Melina and Beth are there as decoration, essentially. Beth being described as too strong for any normal diva. What's that about? The normal thing, really? Oh. Awful, vicious and delicious was the phrase that Snoop used. <laughs> oh my god! Um, the interesting combat attire that uh, they commented on is almost as if the divas are only there to look pretty in lingerie. Oh my god! This this is terrible, terrible. I'm embarrassed that it happened. I'm embarrassed that I've given money to this company. I'm embarrassed that I'm even here. Let's carry on. Embarrassed is is because I was. I was at, we're recording this the day after Raw was at the O2 in London and I was backstage beforehand sort of doing interviews for, for Sky and one of them was with Mickey James and I watched this after I got home and if I didn't watch this before I got there because she's one of the first first person behind Snoop when you know she's dancing and that kind of thing I'd have apologised for having a penis I'd have apologised for just being a man around her for having to deal with that this match because it's it must be it's embarrassing. Like how it's awful, you know the way Maria's treated in terms of you know objectified in the ring, and then all, and then what Snoop comes along and saves her at the end, and then and then he's just like, well now you, come on, basically come on, then you owe me. Mm. Let's have a really let's, odd let's have a smooch. Yeah. yeah, so it's oh, so there's yeah, there's also that kind of there's actually in this one there's a physical element of ownership, sexual ownership as well. It's just just to you know just to put the shitty cherry on top. Carl. Uh, my notes say Snoop Dogg looks confused by the entire thing. Oh, Jerry Lawler lamps Santino question mark Snoop Dogg exclamation mark exclamation mark what in all caps at the moment where Snoop Dogg kisses Maria Canales. Yep. No, it's just, it's, uh, my wrestler friend basically said the past is another country when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> all right, that's a nice way to finish. If anyone was interested, Beth and Melina beat Ashley. And Maria, that's how the match finished. Um, so that was um, horrible. What came next was pretty great, I thought. Big Show versus Floyd Mayweather. Um, Carl, we sports entertained by this. This Big Show versus Floyd Mayweather is a more legitimate fight than Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. <laughs> I said it. I said it with my chest. I said it with Vim. I said it before the McGregor fight. Um, they give Big Show props. With, 
which is great. Like they they really treat Big Show as a, as an authentic, legitimate fighting threat. Floyd Mayweather can sell better than I expected him to. And my favorite my favorite bit to completely disregard everything I've just said is the promo package where it's Floyd Mayweather in the gym training, and it just cuts to Big Show in his house, and he's got a book, and he's wearing some glasses. He's like, yeah, well, you know, Floyd Mayweather can box, but can he do this? I'm like, aww. <laughs> I love, like, glimpses to Big Show's home life. He has a very, very good episode of Cribs, if you can hide it down. <laughs> That's not something I was expecting that we would be discussing today. Um, possibly the best ever celebrity involvement at a WrestleMania. I'm struggling to think of a, of a sort of... I mean, you wouldn't class Ronda Rousey as that, obviously, anymore. Um, it, it, everything about this... Well, obviously, they'd gone through it step by step before to make sure that it all yeah. looked good. So Mayweather trained with Triple H. Triple H took him under his wing, took him to the gym, trained him, trained him up. And that's that's why, you know, in terms of the little things he learned quite quickly. Um, and and Big Show said to Vince, I'll do whatever. I'll tell, if, he, you know, if he hits me in the face, he, I wanted to hit me in the face. So, I mean, there's a lot of rumour in terms of whether Mayweather just did what he wanted and was as brutal as he wanted and Big Show had to take it. But from what I've been, you know, the other side is Big Show actually just said, I'll, I'll, I want to make this match work. Let's do it. Hit me, hit me in the face, get some brass knocks on, break my nose, do whatever you need to do. It's fine. And it was, it was fun. It was, it was fun. I even loved the way the commentators were like, now Mayweather's 40 and 0. You're like, so this counts? This is, this guy's his record? <laughs> What's going on just here? as much as the McGregor one. <laughs> um, Carrie, he claimed that they paid him $20 million. I think the, the actual figure was closer to $3 million. Well, was it money well spent? Did, did you like this match? No, I hate him. I just, I, I, again, I couldn't watch it again. Real life and kayfabe overlapping. He's going to end up I, a Hall I, of Fame. I'm going to be very, very disgusted. Oh, we, <laughs> Why? Because he wouldn't fit in there with the rest of them. <laughs> Jesus, and uh, no, you got me. <laughs> he's just no awful, awful human being. And again, it, I'm I get increasingly embarrassed the stuff that <laughs> that I try and defend to people. They're going, but how can you watch that? And I'm like, oh, but you know, it's like sport and theatre. And at the best, at, at the best of WWE, it is. It's fantastic. And then. We get stuff like WrestleMania 24 with Playboy Bunny Mania and Floyd Mayweather taking $3 million. I feel like this podcast is really starting to affect people now. So you've got Carl <laughs> just this brewing anger for what was it, for what was it, you know, a poster boy hero. And now you've got Carrie Basic just questioning all her beliefs in something <laughs> that she's genuinely written books on. So. <laughs> Well, I think the only way we can segue from that nicely into, into something else is Kane beating Chavo Guerrero in nine seconds to win the ECW <laughs> title. This came after Kane had won a battle royal to become the number one contender. Um, I mean, why bother? Just, what's the point? <laughs> it just shows what they thought of ECW, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, so that's why they bothered to make the ECW title look daft on their big show. Yeah. I, well, I presume so, yeah. yeah. It, it was the first ever defence of the title on WrestleMania. Everything was the first ever ECW something on this show, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. They yeah. beat us over the head with that. Um, let's, let's put it this way: the the weird Carlito kills a seagull jokes thing, like <laughs> that, video that, package, yeah, yeah. lasts twice as long as the whole entrances and match. <laughs> it's utterly bizarre. Yeah, seeing Carlito kill a fake seagull and then get shot on is was also it was also mystifying so but that's one of those things where you kind of like well it's wrestling isn't it you know if you explain that to somebody who didn't like wrestling they 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 go i think you're mad you know like you know bobby lashley's sisters um <laughs> 
Another match that, that has already been described as having taken place on this card was Batista versus Umaga for uh, brand supremacy. Or Umanga, the, as Regal calls Well, this him. is it. This is what I was going to say. The real thing here is whether you call him Umanga or Umaga. Regal insists it should have been Umanga. Everybody else said Umaga. Um, we've thrown a lot of, or me in particular, has thrown a lot of love Big Dave's way the last couple of shows about how he was actually a pretty decent wrestler. He looked really, really pissed off to be in this match, didn't he? He wasn't interested in the slides. <laughs> my, 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 my note is just what was the point of this match? <laughs> Brand supremacy. I mean, yeah, well, we've seen that over the last, oh, what, 15 years now of why I don't care what program I'm watching just make it good. I don't make them both good. And then, you know, that's, and then I'm really happy. Did anybody anybody got any good Umaga memories? Obviously, sadly, no longer with us. Um, we'll, we'll be speaking about him more next week, but we don't talk about him enough. I think he, I think a large problem of this John Cena run is that he doesn't have good enough adversaries because the people he was meant to end up facing off against don't either don't get to the point where they're meant to be or, or leave. So Bobby Lashley was clearly meant to be a foe. Uh, Shelton Benjamin was meant to be a foe. Um, who else disappeared? Ken Kennedy was meant to be a foe. Uh, let's look at that Money in the Bank match. Even some more. MVP had a thing going and then Triple H basically sent him off to SmackDown and destroyed his rub. There were loads of people, five or six, five, five or six very good feuds with John Cena that never quite happened. So what's left is Umaga. And for better or worse, for there was a spell before Edge and CM Punk came along and Rusev and all these and Seth Rollins and all these other guys came along and made John Cena look good how I felt several episodes earlier um, it's just Umaga and I think he did as best as he could and yeah it's it's sad he's no longer with us uh, and I think we should we should give some credit to this guy because if Cena become Cena doesn't become the person who he is without having enough foes and for a long time Umaga was the best one he had yeah, check out that match at Royal Rumble 05, I want to say. Certainly a Royal Rumble match between John Cena and Umaga is one of Cena's best ever matches, um, I would say. Elsewhere, JBL won a Belfast brawl versus Finlay, um, including Hornswoggle, who JBL had supposedly hospitalised. This was what got us underway. Um, what makes a brawl a Belfast brawl, other than the fact that one person is purportedly from Belfast? I, well, there was a shillelagh. Okay. So yeah, maybe yeah. that was a reason. I don't know. I genuinely don't know other than the fact that it's just a nice alliter- alliteration, isn't it? Um, can we talk about Hornswoggle and the yes. un- uncomfortableness yes. of the father, situ- father situation and what was all that about? So, so he, he, was, was he was supposed he was to be Vince's illegitimate son. son. Yeah, and then it turned out he was actually Finley's son. Beca- simply because JBR came into the ring and said so. So the original story is Kennedy was supposed Ken to be Vince's Kennedy son. Right. Be, mm. So Ken Kennedy wins the first w- wins Money in the Bank and is about to be shot into the stratosphere and become the next great big thing. He spoilers for next week's show, by the way. This is he uh, drugs bust is done. He, he violates the wellness policy. He also, while Undertaker is a one on Ken Kennedy. There's a bit I think No Mercy where Undertaker gives Ken Kennedy the verbal to hit him with a pile driver and Ken's like I, I can't I'm not allowed to Taker's like do it anyway Taker loves him Triple H doesn't like him Cena doesn't like him Randy Orton doesn't like him so he annoys three of the biggest guys in the locker room because Kennedy has this weird style where his selling of people's moves means he spends loads of time just like laid up in a corner he thought it made fights look realistic Triple H thought it was disrespectful 
So Ken Kennedy goes from being Vincent Mann's potential son, man in the bank winner, to he loses the money in the bank briefcase to Edge in a title match. And the who is Vincent Mann's son goes from being Ken Kennedy to being Hornswoggle, much in the way of who is the anonymous Royal General Manager is eventually Hornswoggle. If the answer is Hornswoggle, the question was, oh no, the right of had to change things at the last minute. Was Hornswoggle the Royal GM? The anonymous Royal GM? Yes. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw him at um, the greatest Royal Rumble. He had he actually had quite a long run with the company, didn't he? Dylan Postel, his name is, isn't it? And he's still kicking about on the indies, but he was just the butt of the joke for WWE for a couple of years, basically. Oh, look at what he's wearing. Look, you know, listen to his name. It's... It's all it's all very uncomfortable, isn't it? Um, and like, why, why, why don't we just question his parents as well? Let's just go the whole hog. Like, why not? It's fine. <laughs> um, this was a match, wasn't it? Like, like Finley clearly doesn't mind getting hit, so that's always quite fun to watch. Sort of, you know, someone get hit with a with a garbage can and a lid and that kind of thing. So, I, what is a shillelagh? I probably should have googled that before I came it's into the studio. It's like a scythe sort of thing. It's a it's a it's a heavy club used in a lot of gang battles in 19th century Ireland. Okay. Um, it's sort of a... I think WWE started using it because Vince McMahon had clearly seen gangs in New York. Uh, what is a Belfast ball? I could tell you, but blah, 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 release the six counties. <laughs> uh, I love the idea of, as we were talking last week, Vince getting out of his car to listen to the Kid Rock's greatest hits. And then whacking on gangs in New York when he gets home. <laughs> and gets I by, love it! Find out so much more about his life now. This is brilliant. Um, finally, as we get towards the end of the show, Hall of Fame. What a class this was. Crikey. Ric Flair, Rocky Johnson and Peter Maivere, May Young and the Briscoe brothers. Um, amongst those who went in, obviously, Rocky Johnson and Peter Maivere, inducted by their son and grandson, The Rock. Um, this is a pretty stellar class, no? Yeah, it's great. I'm all in on May Young. I love May Young. Uh, well, even the segments where the joke is Mae Young is old I love it because Mae Young I always feel as if Mae Young's in on the joke and Mae Young is more badass than everyone in WWE and Carrie always looks at me weird whenever I say stuff like this it's hopeful um, isn't it it's hopeful I'm, I'm really hopeful yeah. I'm really hopeful that Mae Young is in on the joke and he's like whatever I'm, I'm just I'm old school I'm, you're nothing to me um, so yeah I'm, I'm really happy with Mae Young also the rock with hair is weird to see again <laughs> It's painted on hair, yeah, yeah. Painted on? Yeah, I think so. It looks like it's sort of, he sort of maybe felt tip drawn his hair on. Well, you know, Undertaker used a bit of shoe polish every now and again. <laughs> Why does Undertaker get a bigger hat? That's the every real time, question, Every yeah. time he takes it off, you can just see a little bit. Yeah, that little oh, crease. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the neck size up goes sort of, it affects his vision. <laughs> so he's stuck between a, a rock and a hard place in hat terms. Um, Anton? Well, if it falls off during the entrance, it ruins the entrance. That's true. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. You um, win. Hall of Fame plus. Do Peter Maivere and Rocky Johnson get in without their son there to induct? Ooh, that's a very, very difficult question to ask. But then, is Dwayne the Rock Johnson in the position he is without them? So, in terms of, he wouldn't be in the industry, would he? Because he was a kind of failed college footballer that didn't really know what to do. So, went away, came back. So. Yeah, we already had the link. They were the link to getting him in, so that's probably why they're in. <laughs> well, with the usual caveat that it's not a real Hall of Fame, it's not a real thing. <laughs> um, certainly, Peter Maivia should should be in any kind of made up nonsensical Hall of Fame. Mm, maybe not so much Rocky Johnson, but um, uh, Peter Maivia was a huge promoter and you know basically ran 
his part of the country. And again, um, a Hart family link. Um, certainly Brett and I think Bruce went and worked for him for quite a long time when very early in their careers. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Certainly deserve to be in a nonsensical, made up, not real, <laughs> fictitious Hall of Fame for a not a real sport. Quick question. Ric Flair is inducted this time, gets inducted later on as part of the Four Horsemen. Do you think he's going to end up with three? Because Evolution has to go in there one day. Mm, I don't think... I would say no. Yeah, I think he's probably maxed out on two. And, and <laughs> you know, Be- that's, so, that's one more than everyone else. Word on the street is DX can go in, but not until Triple H goes in. Triple H? Triple H, Triple H wants to be inducted in the Hall of Fame first, and then DX will get inducted after that. And then, of course... That raises the question that you could end up with Evolution going afterwards because Evolution are the most notorious stable post Attitude Era. But if Trips is going three times, he's not going to want somebody matching him. He's going to want to be beating Flair by three to two, isn't you he? Want, I think Trips will give Flair. Th- will Trips Trips is not allowed to get to sixteen in titles anymore. I think Trips would be quite happy if it's three Hall of Famers. Of course, he did the induction speech for mm-hmm. Flair at this event, didn't he? And and. That's kind of nice, but that, that's kind of him pulling rank as well, no? I'll put a fiver on it. The Ric Flair has already filmed his thanks for accepting me into the Hall of Fame speech. Like, so, so Posthumous, Posthumously, yeah. it'll come out. Because <laughs> so, that would be the best Ric Flair to do. Going, I, knew, I knew you loved me. I knew you'd appreciate me. Even from the grave, I want the limelight. The limousine riding, exactly. casket dwelling. Yeah. <laughs> the fifth time Hall of Fame. So overall, then, um, I think this was a pretty good show, despite the Divas and ECW title nonsense. I liked Money in the Bank, Flair v. Sean, Take of the Edge, Mayweather v. Big Show was kind of sports entertainment-y. Um, I'm giving this 8 out of 10, saying it was pretty solid. My WrestleMania moment is I'm sorry, I love you. Carl, yours is not. No, it's Ric Flair getting the top rope spot. Okay, so, so still, still that match. Ric Flair... Famously, every single big match. So two things with Ric Flair. If Ric Flair comes out wearing red, he's probably going to lose. It's a big match and he's wearing red. That's his, like... Um, and in nearly every single match, Ric Flair will go up to the top rope and the other character will grab him and throw him down. Everyone goes, why does he keep doing this if he always gets thrown down? Because Ric Flair won his very first ever title from a top rope spot. So in this match, Sean... Sean? Sean goes up for the top rope. Flair catches him, flips him over. I'm like, ah, you've reversed the spot everyone does to you. And then Rick gets on the top rope, lands on Sean. And that's a, like a perfect, just like, yeah. And Yeah, Rick Flair. Greatest of all time. Carrie, you'll be picking the Lumberjill match, presumably. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Um, Sean's kiss, I think. Yeah. Just just very moving. I'll, I'll go with that. Anton, is it going to be a clean sweep of Sean and Flair? It is, but it's before the match. It's when Flair comes down to the ring and the fireworks go off and he's wearing the peacock suit and then obviously years later we see Charlotte do the same thing and you're just thinking we wouldn't have one without the other and that moment was so special because of that and you know Flair's obviously just wonderful as well and you know, in her own right but also it just echoes back to this glorious glorious ending of his career so and it's nice like Charlotte although we and she and Rick didn't know at the time she's like a beacon in this um, fog a crap of women's treatment around this time to know that you're going to have you know a legit superb women's wrestler watching on yeah I hadn't thought of that That's, uh, kind of the, <laughs> I can't imagine what she would have thought watching that match at the time I'm glad but, I don't do this yeah glad I don't do this <laughs> this is dreadful how embarrassing would it be to have a job like this 
but yeah, yeah, 10 years later, it's all right. It gets better. But yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. All right. So that was WrestleMania 24. Next week, it's the one you've been waiting for. WrestleMania 23, the battle of the billionaires. It's also Great Carly versus Kane. Our first sighting of Chris Benoit, but the main event. Donald Trump versus Vince McMahon. It's going to be awkward, so make sure you're right back here in Parts Unknown in seven days' time. Carrie, where can people keep up with you on Twitter? On the Twitters, at Carrie Sparkle. And Carl? And Command 616. And Anton? At Sky Anton. I'm at Matt Davis FC. Davis is D-A-V-I-E-S. But follow the brand at the PU Podcast. Tweeters, review, share and subscribe. I'm Matt Davis. You've been in Parts Unknown. The Parts Unknown Wrestling Podcast is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.